podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. We're back. The boys are back. It's me, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Gareth Dobson and Martin Gritton. Gentlemen, you okay? Gareth, you start first. Are you okay? I'm really, really reasonable. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that's good. We look, got a little sort of a sneak peek of you, didn't we? Because when we started the uh, this chat on Skype, you'd accidentally pressed the video button, hadn't you? So we got to look at your face for the first time in months. Slight, slightly concerning for everyone, especially when I'm wearing my uh, my fancy England cricket top to celebrate yeah. uh, their, their sporting excellence once more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good, good bit of timing. Lovely bit of timing, uh, Martin. We didn't get to see you though. We just uh, can just hear your voice. I'm assuming my you're usual, English yeah, my usual top. big Tuesday energy, Mark. I bring, I bring it. I'm just bringing it. So you bring it. You always bring it. it. You bring it for most of the show. Then there is always one part where you're not really listening. Absolutely. Um, but listen, we are going out slightly later in the week uh, than we normally do. Normally go out on a Monday. We're going out on a Tuesday today. And uh, as a result, I think the weekend just gone seems like so long ago, it'd be mad to do too much in-depth review of that. So instead, I think we'll do more of a more of a look-ahead, shall we, to the, to the weekend games coming up. Um, and the first game of the weekend, Friday night, and I do like these Friday night games, uh, it's a pretty boring Wolves team against a damn exciting Leeds United side. Gareth... Talk to me about Leeds United. Um, the game against Arsenal last time out was uh, was sort of mad. Um, how do you see this one going for them? It was, yeah, it was a strange one. I mean, you know, Arsenal both deserved winners, but at some point it felt like it could have been 5-5. I, I mean, Leeds, I can't believe I'm saying this because I definitely have those last, you know, 20 years of opprobrium, but they are definitely one of my favorite teams to watch this year. I think they've probably stacked up more interesting games, you know, competitions games to watch than, than pretty much anyone else in the Premier League this year. Um, And it should probably be a good antidote, I think, to a Wolves team, which is, is pretty stayed. I, you know, I, I do appreciate that, you know, uh, Nuno has decided that the, you know, the, the best way to approach things without their best player is to kind of be as, tight as possible early in games and then try to open it up but it's uh i think i'd definitely take a, a leeds a leeds game over over one of theirs in general well, this, I, is, I think, this is yeah. beauty and the beast isn't it pretty much i mean are, i think the most boring side to watch in the division poor old wolves i mean the only person, i know man yeah the only people that care about wolves results are wolves fans it's bizarre isn't it? it's like you just don't look out for them for the, by, by that very token it's the reason why when they play well they don't really get much many plaudits either which is a bit bit harsh because but, but it's mad have, but it's madness great players. Like, they do have great but this is this is the problem we've said this before wolves have got some really really Fun players to watch. Some great individuals. Pedro Neto looks like an unbelievable find. Yeah, he's so much fun to watch. Obviously, we all love Traore. Um, yes, they're missing Jimenez, but they've got these other players. You know, Podence is good. There's lots of good players in there. Neves and Moutinho in the middle, and yet it is just so so hard to watch. And Gareth's absolutely right. Leeds are one of the most exciting teams to watch in the division. So that's, that's why I said Beauty and the Beast. I'm not slagging Wolves off. I'm just saying how it is at the moment. I right, love right. watching Leeds United play and I hate watching Wolves. And therefore, I want this one to be, <laughs> you know, ideally, Wolves go 2 0 up. And then we see Leeds just go mad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I take that. And I, I think, you know, everyone, everyone loves Bielsaball and so forth. But what he should get a lot of credit for, I think, is shuffling. This team, they've, they've been riddled with injuries, especially across the back line this year. Um, and, you know, now they're missing Galvin Phillips, which is a huge miss. 
Yeah. And you know what he's gone and he's he's identified that uh, uh, old old Pascal Stroik is actually the man to do the role in midfield, and he's had such an impact in the last two games. He could have legitimately could have scored a hat trick um, against Crystal Palace on Monday. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, goes and scores that thumping header. And I do like the way that they have these, you know, interchangeable personnel. Um, you know, Stroik was actually, you know, signed as a centre back, and he's, yeah, yeah. he's he's pushing up, and it's, you know, it's great. And then, you know, Bamford, I know we've touched on him, but at some point, he's got to be worth consideration. You know, when you start talking uh, PFA teams of the year, I mean, how many strikers are ahead of him, really, in terms of how impactful Ooh, a season he's? There's, there's not many. There really isn't many. Um, I'd say, I'd say you, you'd probably, uh, you're probably better off judging Bamford against other players um, at a similar level. And by that, I mean, you know, not much Premier League experience. So I'm looking at someone like um, Watkins. Watkins, Watkins yeah, absolutely. That was a player I was thinking of. But also someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who, all right, he's been around the division yeah. a little bit longer, but he's a young player. Um, and I think if you're ranking alongside those guys, particularly from an England point of view, I think he's, I think he's in the middle of the pack there, but it's not to say he's not been unbelievable because he's 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 one of those players that's been completely written off and has has come through the other end and looks great. And also, by the way, gives a great interview. Yes, he does. He's, he's, he speaks well, doesn't he? And you can see they they've picked they like Sky or whoever is covering the game has now clearly specifically asked for him for the last few games yeah. because they they love his insight and he's you know it's. Not all for just because a footballer's eloquent doesn't mean that they're they're clever or interesting or funny, but he is both, and he yeah. does defy a certain stereotype about you know that sort of monosyllabic and uh, social media drilled player. You know he, he is quite open and he seems happy to engage in you know in the interviews questions, and you know he's always smiling and laughing. They get and you realize you don't really see that. You know he and he he'll always kind of drop in a nice sort of tidbit from the. The training grounds. So He'll always yeah, give you something. Yeah, always yeah. give you something. He knows what he's doing, man. He's he's a, he's a smart guy, and you're right. Like when he's on the Monday night games, uh, and it's you know Carragher and, and Neville in the studio, it always feels very easy. He never feels forced. Um, he he Bamford's yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's he's seems like a good guy, and I'm I'm very pleased that his form has picked up. Or that's that's the wrong phrasing, really. I'm very pleased that he's been able to step up to this level because he well, has tried it a few times before and never quite pulled it off. It's definitely, he seems at home, doesn't he? He seems happy. He's playing the, the way he can speak freely generally comes from a position of comfort and stability, isn't it? It's like kind of a confidence in himself. Well, he doesn't understand him. He can say whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. But don't, don't you find that there's, that's, that's a refreshing thing about that club that, you know, people, it, it can, it's a, it, it functions as a unit. Sorry, that's my uh, level. Yeah, um, it functions as a unit, but a unit of individuals. Do you know what I mean? They're all very yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, kind of um, independent players that kind of um, coming together as a team. I, th- I think there's shades of sharing about him as well. I think he's a player that will get better as he gets older. I just think that yep. sort of the more games you have in the Premier League, it's it's not to be sniffed at. You know, you come out of that if you can play two or three hundred games in the Premier League, you have a comfort and an understanding of that league that, Definitely. that really adds value in and the also to 35 range also what is in Bamford's favor is that he, he he's not a player who relies on his physical attributes right he's, he's not lightning quick he's not Correct, hugely yeah. strong and powerful he's someone who is he's, he's quite slight but has such a great football brain and great execution that when he gets to 34 35 it's not necessarily a big deal if he loses another yard of pace so he could yeah. go 
he could go for a lot longer. Um, let's talk if, about if he was yeah, Dutch. So, if he oh, was Dutch, on. we can sorry. If he was Dutch, we compare him to Burkamp. Do you know what I mean? If you put him from yes. a different country, it be, it brings different attributes. Sorry, for sure. Of course, yeah, yeah no, absolutely right. Uh, Gareth, um, let's go back to Bielsa. A good friend of mine who's a big Leeds fan, and he said something about six months ago. He was like, well, it just shows you, he said, it shows you how easy it is, if you're a championship club, just to get a great manager in. And that's, that's it. Just get a great manager in, and, and that'll be the job done. But that surely is forgetting the fact that when they brought Bielsa in, it, it wasn't a given that they were going to go up. I think the, the, the general consensus at the time was, this is going to go one of two ways. Either League One or, what's happened now, Premier League. Because it's never that cut and dried, is it? But what Bielsa's done, come in and, and done this unbelievable job, it's an amazing blueprint for clubs, but it was still quite a risk, wasn't it, when he first came in? Yes, I mean, it, bringing on Bielsa as it specifically was definitely a risk because, you know, he hadn't succeeded for his last couple of jobs and he was much more of a a name and an intriguing idea. He, you know, he beloved by sports writers. I don't know how well-known outside of, you know, that sort of elements of the media he really was in the general public. I don't know how many people really followed, you know, He's like exploits. a comedian's comedian. Yeah, it, per, perfectly put. Um, you could say for Leeds, they only had so much to lose because they've been trying and failing to get promoted for so long. Um, and it was just another role of device. But, you know, when you say you just bring in a good manager and that will help win the championship, I'm sure that's true. But you also have to factor in the weight of managing Leeds United, which at some point has become this white whale um, of a club yeah. who... You know, were more likely to drop down to the third tier than to go back up. You know, it was twenty years, and you know, not that many near misses. Even to be honest, they 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 weren't really in contention that long. And no. probably the the biggest praise you can offer him is the fact that they went so close in his first year. And a lot of times, you know, clubs do not recover from that. It takes a while. The next season is, you know, there's a hangover and it, it's not quite working the same way. But he doubled down and, you know, they yeah. absolutely flew. And even when we went into lockdown and people were like, oh, wait till they come back, you know, they're not going to be in any shape. And, you know, they're going to be dogged by the, you know, they, they just wrap things up in an incredibly efficient way. So, Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, bringing him on board, the short answer was it, it was was brilliant and he's probably had a bigger influence on the promoted club than maybe any others I can remember since Wolves certainly yeah Gritz is uh, Bielsa the sort of manager you'd have thrived under <laughs> I think he would have uh, cast me aside quite quickly um, <laughs> I, I, to be honest it, it's an interesting one it's certainly something that you buy into because I what's interesting is I Luke Ayling, at the end of my career, I played with Luke at, at Yeovil, and he'd just come down from Arsenal. Young lad, kind of just finding himself, you know, kind of in terms of what sort of player he was going to be. But his, his work rate and his application, his attitude. When you see players like that that have been at clubs like Arsenal and they come down and they they just have this in, innate kind of work rate and uh, ethos, but sometimes they're a little bit damaged, you know, either by rejection or whatever. And he had this. He applied himself and kind of worked his way up. And when you see the fruits of his labour, you know, there was a piece on Football Focus on Saturday because the Arsenal connection, you know, and, and then playing against him. So I was a little bit sorry for him when, when they took a thumping in the first half. But at the same time, just how far he's come. And he it typifies, and the reason why he's got the armband is he typifies this, the Bielsa sort of mentality in a um, That's why I would certainly love to have played for a manager like that. I don't know whether... Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, not, not reciprocated. 
Well, to be honest, if you put a, if you put a GPS on me, you would not be impressed by the output. But let's just move on. Uh, you know what? I saw one of your goals the other day. I think you might have retweeted it or something onto Twitter, and it was um, I'm not sure who it was against or what, but it was for Torquay. And your first touch, Grits, was unbelievable. An unbelievable first touch. Branded the keeper, slide at home. Deceptive. Deceptively slow yeah. with a lovely first touch. That's what they always say. Yeah. But yeah. Good stuff. Um, I do wonder, Gareth, if uh, Bielsa being what he is, being a favourite amongst sports journalists and writers and, and other managers, if he gets uh, if he gets away with it a little bit sometimes. Because, I mean, we all know the 6-2 against United, everyone praised him for not changing his system. Similarly against Arsenal, 4-0 down, didn't change it got back into the game so it can work both ways but I can't think of any other managers who would get who would get praised for not changing their system halfway through a beating yeah I mean he, he got completely hassled it was <laughs> just uh, an unfortunate new verb I'm bringing into the last one but, um, I like it. it 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 is Dave Dave has some beatings and there are points this year where you know naive is a very overused and cliched word in in, in football punditry but they do. They, they either look somewhere between naive or, <laughs> yes. or even simply just outmatched. Um, mm. But then perhaps, you know, they'll turn around and say, well, you know, we're 11th in the table. We've, we've got 32 points. We're essentially safe already. Yeah. And therefore, we'll take the lickings versus all the times in which this approach Definitely. does go well. And also, it's important to remember that we should judge them against other promoted sides, not against sides that are yeah. a stalwart of the division. And, and, think, and if you judge it that way, they're, they're way, way, way ahead. They're brilliant. Yeah, they're brilliant. I also think that they have the biggest variety of results. Like, you don't know what you're going to get from these, but what they do is learn each time. So those young players that have come into the league, they're going up against guys that are pedigree, you know? And they, they, yeah. These are championship players that are, that are playing above their level. So they're, they're trying to, to work out how to maintain that. So, you know, you're looking at a team that's evolving and I, I, I don't know if you could, you could say that about Arsenal. I think Arsenal finally kind of that, that was what you would expect from some of those players. And yeah, well, let's talk uh, about. Sorry, oh, sorry, go on, Gareth. Quickly, what's most fun about Leeds is that now they are the fifth highest scorers in the division, and also oh, wow. uh, have conceded the third most goals. That's yeah, Kevin Keegan. That is what I want. <laughs> that's exactly. Data what points. <laughs> have you been researching or what? This is ridiculous. Um, yeah, Got to give Leeds some love. Yeah, no, that's Just fair enough. Um, We've mentioned Arsenal a few times there because of the 4-2 at the weekend. Um, Arsenal uh, at home to Man City on Sunday, part of Super Sunday. Uh, I mean, yes, Arsenal are better than they were, but can you see anybody really taking points off City at this moment in time where they're on this this run, where they can afford to drop Ruben Diaz, bring in Laporte, who hasn't played for 20 years, and look as solid as they did? Gareth, what do you reckon? The only thing that is possibly going for Arsenal is a, a, a Manchester City have their midweek game coming up uh, against Everton, who you know are obviously a, a very strange kettle of fish. But uh, and so you know Arteta can have a bit of time to put in some extra tactics. And he, he's had a couple of good games against uh, City. Obviously, he won the uh, won the cup against them. But ultimately, I would still say they would be long odds to to to, to get a win. I mean. You know, Man City didn't break sweat at the weekend. They, you know, absolutely swatted aside. Admittedly, a pretty outsourced Spurs team, but yeah, um, yeah it, they they make things look very simple right now. And uh, do you, I mean, one thing maybe is whether you know the, the all-dominating obsession for the Champions League kicks in in the next few weeks. Obviously, we're returning to that uh, 
this week. Um, Man City, I think, play their game next week. So that is, has obviously been a huge distraction for the club and, um, or if not distraction, a, a diversion of resources and, and focus. So possibly they might have a few wobbles in the next few weeks. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure of that. I do think, you know, essentially their second team um, can still, you know, knock most first teams for six. But these these narratives change so quickly because it's, it's only, what, six, seven weeks ago where we all probably still thought Liverpool were going to win the league. Yeah. That United might put in a proper title challenge, although that was, you know, some of us were more cynical about that than others. Um, and Man City really weren't that close to being, certainly not a great Man City side compared to the last few seasons. And now we're saying... Man City are going to win everything. They they look you know just they just look perfect. They look like the perfect unit for the Premier League and the FA Cup, whatever. Is it just a case that it's actually not that competitive this year again, and the league isn't that strong, and there's no one really there to challenge Man City? Grits, what do you think? Oh, that's interesting. I think um, I think COVID has had uh, an impact in a, obviously the the movement of players. Pronouncing it COVID, are we? whatever you know um it's had an impact in terms of the movement of players so teams have just you've kind of seen the attrition of teams so like the way liverpool have kind of stagnated uh the way that other teams have kind of come through because they've literally had to dip back into the pool of players you know like man united have done and like arsenal are kind of forced to do um, so it's, it's been a really interesting in that regard. And I think City have been the ones that have just stepped up the best. I think the bit part players, um, you know, Foden and Gundogan are, are no, no, by no means bit part players, but they've certainly at the beginning of the season, you'd wonder how many games they played. And those two, yeah, yeah, perhaps yeah. the standout players on, in the league at the minute. And then, you, you know, you compare that to, um, you know, uh, Liverpool, the guys that, you know, the injuries that affected them and then Oxlade-Chamberlain, guys like that coming back and you either come back and hit the ground running or, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult to make an impact um, coming back from injury, but there's, yeah, of course. Know, the, the Premier League doesn't wait for anyone. But you're right though, Grits. The, um, the, the players that aren't necessarily the, the, uh, the big names, the guys on your, your superstore outside the stadium, right? Those guys who aren't the main the main images that your club beams around the world, the guys that aren't those top guys have stepped up for City in a way they haven't done for Liverpool. Mo Salah, yes, of course. Uh, Mane actually hasn't really done it this season so far. But the Wijnaldums of the of the team haven't done it this year. Thiago hasn't managed to step in and hit the ground running. So it's all the yeah, it's cumulative. It's, yeah. And, and, and I, I think there's, it's, I think there's, there's got to be... Um, there's got to be criticism leveled at the management, though. I think some of the, I think some of that has been poorly managed. I don't think they, they, I don't think they had enough depth in defenders. It's easy to say that now, but certainly the players that have come in, Manny, he, he, he unsettled him. There was something that he did. I, I think. Did he take him off when he was on Attrick or something and then brought Salah and Salah scored a couple and like little decisions that he's made. Um, and I know that injuries have affected him, but certainly those those players have kind of been comfortable in the fact that they know that they, yeah. they're going to start and uh, then you've got to manage those kind of fragile egos or certainly manage the kind of match sharpness and I don't think yeah. Liverpool have done that well enough No, well we'll, we'll talk about Liverpool a bit more um, uh, later on in the show um, but just to stick on Arsenal Man City for the time being um, we said a few weeks ago that Arsenal once, once they decided to start blooding the young players, which seemed like it was actually a, a choice that was forced upon 
Arteta, given how badly everyone else was doing. But as soon as he put in Saka more permanently, and as soon as he brought in Smith Rowe, they just looked like a completely different outfit entirely. And now they've got Aubameyang scoring again. Okay, it's only one game. It's only against Leeds. But Oi. can they? Do, <laughs> but can they do something? Can they? Can Arsenal actually do something? It, how realistic is it that Arsenal finish? Okay, not top four. I think that's probably too much of a stretch. But top six this season, and would that be a success given how they started the season, Gareth? Um, at the very start of the season, they certainly would have been looking for a, a top four spot. Um, I think they will, if they're smart enough to take a, a much broader overview. Yeah, I think it's about progress within the club and stability and putting you know structures in place that haven't been in there for for quite a long time. I, I do agree that the shape of the team looks a lot better. Um, he's, you know, Arteta is somewhere between fortunate and, and very smart to have found uh, a combination and also players who are on form. I think what you saw on Sunday was just players who were playing very well and playing with confidence. And, you know, that fed into Aubameyang. And also he's playing centrally in his preferred role. And also, yep. you know, once again, you know, Lacazette was was benched, and it does seem to be that it's only one of those playing at any one time that really optimizes the situation. And now, finally, they have the players that they can say, you know, we don't have to play both of you because we've got other great players for those positions, so we yes. can essentially play the right formation with the right collection of players. And you know, uh, Saka and Smith Rowe are a core to that, and also. You know, confidence is definitely a thing because you know other players who really weren't featuring or, or playing particularly well, like uh, uh, Danny uh, uh, Ceballos, Ceballos, Danny Chips, Ceballos, Danny Onions. Um, <laughs> who came in for for party, even though I, I don't know if he come in for parties ever anymore because he he's been so unfortunate with injuries. And you know, he he played very well. Suddenly, the whole team looks a lot better. You know, Bellerin's been moving back to some of the form where I think people, you know, he was quite fated for a couple of years and, and then disappeared. And yeah, and they've still got Tierney to come back in and, and so forth. So I think, I think they could still push for, for maybe the fourth spot, because as you said, you know, it's so inconsistent that it only takes a couple of defeats. I mean, yeah, yeah. look at, you know, there's a huge Midlands derby uh, this weekend. You know, maybe the biggest has been for a long time, Villa and Leicester. And if, if Villa win that, which is not out of the question, and you know Arsenal, uh, I mean, maybe not going to be silly, but they put on a couple of wins, and Leicester will feel the pressure as well. There's no reason why not, man. It's only eight points, and that's that's not a huge that's not a huge gap at the moment. What I would say though is the top four at the minute looks pretty. They look pretty strong. In fact, top five are pretty strong. And then you've got Liverpool, who I can only imagine are at some point going to uh, going to kick on and start playing well again. And actually, after the break, we'll talk about Liverpool because they've got the Merseyside derby this weekend. Um, so let's do that after the break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web 
at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag coolerkingbike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Whistleblowers podcast. Um, how was your break there, Grits? Yeah, it was great, mate. Sorry, just coming back. Uh, Unbelievable. You know, Unbelievable. Shops. Every, um, every week, every week there's a moment you just switch off. This is I, why, Martin, I live opposite. League I, level. I live opposite an ambulance station, mate. I'm having to mute every time between bouts of my speech. So, therefore, I'm a little bit sluggish getting to the mute button. You cannot That's all switch it off. Is. 90 minutes. You've got to Always stay switched switch on, off, Grits. Mate. That's 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 what my name means in Spanish. Switch off, Gritten. <laughs> Switch off, Gritten. Um, <laughs> listen, I teased it before the break, so let's be professional for once on our goddamn live show. Liverpool versus Everton. Um, I feel like the last couple of years we've always said, ah, oh, this is the big one, this is the biggest Merseyside derby for a while. Uh, this one really feels like it, though, doesn't it? Grits, uh, I imagine yeah. you'll be watching this. It's. I can't call this one. I've got no idea what's going to happen. I can't even envisage it. Talk me through what's going to happen. Well, it's, it's the time that Everton will go in and, and feel really confident about playing against Liverpool, and that's a you know a good thing. Um, I, I fancy the chance. Yeah, a rare thing. But they've got players that, that are playing without fear at the minute, which is great. You know, I, I, they they had a couple of match winners in their team over the last couple of years, but now they feel that I feel the more cohesive unit. And there's certainly this, this merit in whenever you can progress someone from the youth team, there's a kind of, there's just a feel good factor about players like Calvert-Lewin coming through, isn't there? There is. I, I don't know if he's going to be playing. I mean, he's injured at the moment. Yeah. Um, it looks like he uh, is ruled out of the game uh, midweek as well against, against City. So whether they can get him back or not, I don't know. But they, they will miss him because he, he has been fantastic. I know we mentioned him earlier on alongside Watkins and, and Bamford, but he has been a real shining light this season for Everton. And it actually feels like he probably is number two in line to Harry Kane for England now. Uh, Gareth, if they don't have Calvert-Lewin, do you think that's a huge weight off the shoulders for the uh, Liverpool back you know back four, back two, whoever you want to whatever you want to call it? I mean... Possibly. This is a team who went and lost to Fulham a few days ago. Everton, maybe of all the teams in the league, have an amazing ability to piss on their own chips. Mm. The moment that it's going, oh, this year, <laughs> the moment they string a couple of wins, you know, they go and beat Spurs 5-4 in a cup. Everyone's like, this, they're so exciting. Maybe this is their year. And a few days later, they, you know, they roll out and while Fulham are, are improving. And they can't home, score <laughs> against Fulham. Yeah, at home, that's a team that... You, you, you can't lose to if you consider yourself a serious Premier League team, I think, or, or you know, seriously contending for a, a top six spot. And yet, they've still got two games in hand in Liverpool. If they beat Liverpool, then they're level on points. And you know, then Mad. suddenly they're in pole position to to finish above them. And they're, they're, they're pushing West Ham in some sort of weird David Moyes derby <laughs> alternative <laughs> universe where Moyes' teams are suddenly just all shooting up the table in fact you know three of the last four Premier League teams he you know he's managed they're all uh, in the top seven so you know you talk to me about his legacy it's there for <laughs> um, but I, I I just don't know it's you know you would hope that Ancelotti will, will find the right you know the right game plan and even without you know DLC uh, DCL even they've got they, they've got enough players and you know Josh King came on um and he had a reasonable uh, uh, 20 minutes against Fulham. I think it was a big surprise that he uh, he didn't start. So 
um, yes. you know, if he does well against City. And, I really you know, like him as a player, Josh King. Yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's very rangy and you know, he's, he's got a lot going for him. Yeah, tough, Everton are tough, though. Tough, sorry, mate, I was just going to say about King. He said he's had a tough season, though, hasn't he? I mean, last couple of seasons, not, not playing a lot with injuries and various other things, but I think he could be a really good signing. Strikers, you can take a punt on them because if, if he catches fire and starts puts a couple of goals in, who knows? Yeah, that's right. He's he's also one of those players. He's a striker who offers you something other than goals as well. So even if he's not scoring, his running is good. His channel work is great. He's yeah. a nuisance. Yeah, he is. Um, Everton, though, Grits, talk me through this. So they, they go and get a great result. Last second equaliser against Man United uh, in that three-all game. Yeah. And then to follow it up with that loss to Fulham. It must just feel like that United result doesn't mean anything. The only, <laughs> the, the, the only the only way that result means anything is if you go and back it up with Fulham yeah. at home. And that's what's so frustrating. That is the difference. But let's let's not... F- I mean, this this is the, the weirdest of all seasons. I mean, did, did, when did when did Villa beat Liverpool 7-2? I mean, I can't even <laughs> remember when that was. Listen, anything's possible. Also, Gareth made a point there. Fulham are, Fulham are to be given a little bit more credit. They probably catch you on the hop. After you've dragged yourself back into a game at United, you're like, phew, you go out on the pitch and then Fulham hit you. You know, they come at you because that's how they play. They don't... They don't try and nick it. They're not like West Brom, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, set up. They will come at you, and they will score goals. So I really like um, them. I think they're great. You know, and it will be sad to see them go down, but that team will come straight back up because they're a very, very good team. But yeah, I, yeah. If, as, as far as Everton goes, I, you're right. Inconsistencies, but you know, who can we not level that at this season? No, that's absolutely fair. Uh, well, Man City, um, <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, though. Um, uh, that, that Leicester game was oh. and, and not dissimilar to the Villa game in which I, I felt like I was dreaming throughout it. <laughs> um, there was, uh, before kickoff, now I don't know if either of you subscribe to this at all, but I looked into the eyes of new Liverpool centre-back. Is that Obak? Is that his name? The Turkish centre-back Liverpool have got. Kabak. Kabak, sorry. Sorry, I'm still the up Looked into the eyes of uh, Kabak. And I thought, you know what, this this is not going to work out. This isn't going to happen. And I text my friend, friend of the podcast, Reese James. I said, look, this guy hasn't got it. He has, whatever it is, he hasn't got it. And within, a, what was it, 80 minutes, he'd kind of slice his own keeper's head off. And <laughs> I just don't know, man. I just feel like you can certain, certain oh, players man. you can look at and you can go, I don't think it's going to happen. Just don't think it's going to happen. Am I, am I, is that unfair? Yeah. Is that ridiculous? No. It's totally fair. It's the William Prunier effect for people of a certain vintage. He scored against you, William Prunier, didn't he? He Was it two games? He scored one goal in his first game, and then in his second game, which was against Spurs, they lost 4-1 uh, on it was New Year's Day. And like, you know, he scored in that as well. Spurs, oh, maybe, maybe, but Spurs, Spurs don't beat Manchester United 4-1 unless it's uh, under exceptional circumstances, which... Uh, yeah, it certainly was. So, so yes, I, I would put him in the Prunier uh, category. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, mean, I think I, I think you can just I don't know, man. I, I just didn't think he just didn't he just didn't look something about it no. didn't look right. Have you yeah, seen right? Blink, no. Blink by Malcolm Gladwell is all about this. It's about looking at something for a split yeah. second and making an absolute making, outlier. 
Yeah, he's <clears throat> one of the my mate who's a lad I played with. He played 500 games in midfield, but uh, Paul Harsley went to Man City as a coach. Like, he's seen brought through loads of young players, and he would say that the most depressing thing is looking at a player and after 30 seconds knowing whether they'll make it or not, and then spending the next two years having to manage their parents' disappointment. And it's oh. so true. It's like when you see that, you go with your gut. <laughs> You're like this guy, and I'm sure Klopp was like, just cr- had everything crossed because that put nothing could go right for Klopp. And for someone that you want things to go right for, yeah. apart from if you're if you're a neutral, but if you're not, I mean, it's like, this is absolute. It's some kind of mad. The mad calm of the the league is is something else, isn't it? I mean, like Klopp's done essentially done nothing wrong, and he's become the absolute whipping boy. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's being a little bit chippy in interviews, but then you yeah. read about what's happening in his personal life and you go, well, yeah, fair enough, man. It's, yeah, exactly. it's, just, it's only football. What um, I'm interested to see is, is whether uh, Pres- the former Preston player now, Ben Davies, gets a go. Um, you know, the, the other uh, defender they, they bring yes. on on deadline day. And I, I just keep thinking of there's that fairly famous scene in the in the Batman film with Heath Ledger as the Joker, where he snaps the pool cue in half and hands one end to uh, each to two different people, and he's like tryouts. <laughs> and essentially, that's what being in the Liverpool back four is like at this point in time. Just people off the off the street, and it's like, okay, well, give it a good go. Last man standing, go. Have you got any mates that can play can play centre back? Exactly. Anyone? They're just give, lining give up on a Friday on uh, over at a uh, 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 Mel. Is it Melfield? Melwood. Melwood, and they're just waiting on the touchline, just waiting to be like called on for a quick run out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's another game then. Essentially, what we're saying that where anything can happen. I mean, anything can happen. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a four all or if it's nil nil with four men sent off. Who knows? And quite frankly, who cares? <laughs> I do, and that's why I'm doing the podcast. Um, let's talk, Martin, about West Ham United. Um, yeah. I mean, it's what what a season! What a season it's been! This so far, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. I'm a little bit concerned because Antonio's their only striker. He's yeah. injured. He's often injured, and they let uh, Sebastian Haller uh, yeah. go to Ajax. So I'm a bit concerned about that. But apart from that, I think West Ham just look phenomenal. They're a team you know well. Um, what have you made of them the last few weeks, and how do you see them getting on at the weekend? We are we're dusting off the Champions League uh, disc, ready to be played uh, uh, pre-match next season. I, I, it's been brilliant, and it's very indicative of Moyes that can. When everyone, when you went back there, there was kind of a like a collective, really. You know, there's a little bit of a kind of underwhelming. Uh, sense of oh, well, you know, uh, what what can you expect from this West Ham team? And they've they've exceeded expectations. Also, just the fact they're such a solid unit. I think I've said it many times on this pod, and to anyone else who will listen, that Rice and Susek are just they do the oh, work of three yeah. men, and they cover yeah. the amount of ground they cover. If you're stood next to them in the tunnel, I always always felt this when you were you don't do it anymore but when times would walk out together you turn and look at some players and you're like Jesus you'd like Steven Gerrard like 6'4 do you know what I mean these guys are massive and they're brilliant at you know they, they're 6'4 in football boots anyway a Susek must be like what 6'5 it's like these guys are mad Rice is 6'2 they're just like but they've got the, the lungs of a long distance runner they cover the yeah, ground they yeah, head yeah. the balls their distribution they get in the box they, they you know they do it in both ends put their you know put their heads 
you know, in places to defend it. So it's great, you know. Absolutely. That's right. But the rest of it, you know, the, the, the people that have turned up have turned up for West Ham. I did see Antonio. Um, I mean, it's even the signings, they've got Kufau that's come in and done really well. Looks superb. But Dawson, fuck, epic at the back. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbel- Let's not forget, it's a matter of months ago when Moyes came back in and when um, they let Dean Garner go on a yes. permanent to, to West Brom. And the fans were up in arms. And you know yeah. what? Rightly so. You, you, yes. You're allowed to have your say. But the, the change in form, the change in attitude, the general feeling around that club now is so, so different. You know, for me, one of the big turning points this season was when they had the opportunity to sign Diego Costa in January. And they didn't take it. And I know I started this section by saying I'm surprised they haven't got another striker. But that West, that's, that signing of Diego Costa is what West Ham would have done in the past. And it yeah. could easily have completely ruined this team. It could have taken all, uh, all the emphasis off the team as a unit and put it all on this one guy who would have been paid 200 grand a week. And it would have completely taken apart the dressing room spirit. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. The fact that he didn't take that, the fact that he didn't pull the trigger on that transfer says to me Moyes absolutely has a handle on what's happening with this squad. Instead, he goes and gets some Jesse Lingard, who can play as a, a false nine, if you like. But he's another one who's hit the ground running. In the game on um, Monday night, you saw Lingard go off and Ben Rama come on. I mean, that is strength yeah, in depth. Ben Rama's class, there's, some real, yeah, yeah. there's some real quality there. Gareth, they're playing your team Spurs this weekend. Are you worried about this one? You must be. Yeah, very much. I mean, this is... I think the game, you know, at home, West Ham. This is the game that West Ham fans get up for above all others in their in their calendar. They have, you know, they have a special place in their heart for for Spurs, and they 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 pulled out a lot of good results. Case, and you know, let's just not forget, you know, being three 0 down with less than ten minutes left and, and pulling out three three this year. But I don't know whether playing in obviously a fanless stadium will, will change that. But West Ham do seem to turn up particularly against Spurs. So. I would probably, you know, I'm sure, but it's reflected in the table, certainly in the form guy, that West Ham are the favourites, and I wouldn't be surprised if if they win this, um, because you know they are they are a very focused team. We're now at a point where um, Jose Mourinho is, you know, chopping and changing his team. He suddenly seems very uncertain about what his his best side is. Whereas you know, with um, with Moyes, he knows what his best team is. It now pretty much picks itself, or certainly does with yeah, yeah. Antonio out, and it means that he can bring in, yeah, uh, you know, Lingard without without you know too much consideration. And like you're saying, you know when it's going for you because Lingard could have also been a disastrous signing. He could have been a player come in with a big reputation who's not done very much for a couple of years and sat around and, and stunk out the joint, but. Instead, he looks like this, you know, dynamic and exciting personality. And yeah, you know, one of, one of the fun things about Lingard, especially you know, uh, England fans in the World Cup, you know, he seemed genuinely overjoyed to be playing football and be playing well. He mm. seems like a very you know bright and lively character. And you know, unsurprised if you don't play very much for two years, that kind of disappears, and it looked like that spark <laughs> had gone out at United. Yeah. And uh, but it seems to be automatically back. I mean, on the weekend, he was politely arguing with his captain rice because he was so desperate to score another goal so desperate to take that penalty and you know that's what you do when you're brimming with confidence and you're you know you're you're so sure you're going to score that you're happy yeah, to say yeah. this is mine even though he's been at the club for 10 minutes yeah yeah no it's it's, it's a good sort of arrogance to have i think mm. um if you're chasing you know a top position in the league certainly um you mentioned rice there uh, i want to talk about defensive midfielders for a moment 
there's a few clubs, big clubs, no disrespect to, to West Ham, but bigger clubs than West Ham who will probably be looking to add a defensive midfielder to their team maybe this summer, certainly soon. Uh, and Spurs saw last season when they brought in Hoybier, someone who was just a disciplined defensive midfielder. You can see how key that role still is to clubs. We haven't moved on from that Makaleli thing. These players are more expansive than Makaleli, but that still is its own position. Now, who's the best defensive midfielder that's sort of under the radar, not at a top, top club at the moment? Because Declan Rice has got to be in that conversation. Um, for me, Basuma at Brighton would be in there. And I know Leicester are top four, but uh, Wilf Ndidi, I think, is yeah, unbelievable. Class. Yeah, you perked up their grits about Ndidi. Why do you like Ndidi so much? <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's such a key player for them. It's interesting. Uh, Leicester, Leicester, uh, again, another force of nature when when they're playing well. But it's in- incredible how different they look without Ndidi and Vardy uh, as yes. options, uh, and they they suffered from that recently, and and the results suffered as a as a, as a result. So um, yeah, I, I think he's been a you know big impact player for them, uh, and very much fits the bill of under the radar defensive midfielder. Yeah, definitely. Gareth, who would you take um, potentially to go alongside uh, Hoybier? You know what Jose likes with his defensive midfielders? A double pivot that, that yeah. doesn't pivot. Um, I <laughs> No, I agree. I, I think that those three you named are, are a cool, uh, good shout. I don't know, where would you put Suchek? Is is, is he, would you say, is defensive midfielder or more of a sort of a, 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 a marauder? I'd say more of an eight, yeah, because you do. He doesn't just pop up on set oh, pieces. He, he, he yeah. seems to pop up all the time. He, there's two or three of them on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, Suchek, you, you can you could argue it should be in that list. Um, but greedy though, isn't it? If West Ham have two of them, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I don't think he's a setter. I don't. I think they they suffered. I, I remember when they tried to play him slightly deeper, and it, his game suffered. And West Ham had the worst forty-five minutes of football. Who were they playing? It was. I think they were at home. Villa, um, yeah, but they were absolutely dire for forty-five minutes, and then changed it up at halftime and uh, yeah. and and won the game. So oh, I think it's Fulham. Um, well, the, re- yeah. the reason I sort of say it is that that Man City, as good as they are, I think can strengthen that position. I don't think Rodri is, you know, particularly brilliant. Um, United, similarly, I think could do with a mm. a, a, a big a big uh, holding midfielder. So I think there's going to be some movement this summer, and it's I it's agree. a position I'd absolutely love. And Liverpool um, will probably be looking at cycling out. Like I said, players like Wijnaldum and, you know, even though he was player of the year last year, Henderson, he's come back down to earth. And, you know, he's, he's moving on in, in, in the, the age groups as well. So even if it's a player just to give him more minutes, then, you know, I wonder if Milner's uh, going to be there next year. I, I think he's, you know, was he 400 years old and still fitter than anyone else at the club? But, West Brom, um, he'll, get, he'll get another 200 games at West Brom. No, no, quite. Speaking of West Brom, a slight diversion, but you know, still talking about defensive attributes. When I saw them against Manchester United this weekend, it was as if in the last four weeks, the entire team has just grown four inches. I, I don't know whether <laughs> this is some sort of uh, magic Allardyce thing, but they just suddenly looked huge. No, I'll tell you what it is. I know what it is. It's the uh, it's the long studs that Stephen Gerrard wears, because yeah. it turns out Stephen Gerrard's <laughs> six foot, not six foot four. No, do you, all right, that... Do you know where the heights are taken? The heights are taken at the start of your career and they don't change and they don't update your height. Oh, it's 15. He, he was probably... what That's probably his height at 17. He's about 6'2", at least. At least he's massive. I can't find anything um, to, to verify that. Well, that's fine, mate. You just, listen, just... Uh, I love either that or I was in the ditch. 
Um, <laughs> and it is yeah, undermeasured. They're all on that. Oh, West Brom are all on that brain tonic. You know the the, the Astros, whatever the you know the Simpsons. <laughs> the, he literally <laughs> exams brought him in, just going pump him up. Get well, actually, that's unverifiable in there. Yeah, I would probably liable. So I, I take it. So back. the brain and the height the, stuff. Ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fictitious team, um, the Springfield Isotopes, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah let's just leave it at that. Um, I want to watch one more game before I uh, let you two go off into the night. Uh, presumably, <laughs> I don't know what your plans are. Um, we have sort of touched upon it, but Villa Leicester. This is a game that traditionally has been like just a nothing game. Who cares? It's Villa Leicester. But the last few years, these are two of the just two of the best teams to watch in the division. Aston Villa, famously my favourite team in the league. Uh, ah, it's great stuff, isn't it? It's great to have Midlands back on the map. Yes. Anyone? Anyone? Uh, I, 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 I do. Didn't bother unmuting for that. I'm always wary of Leicester City after they've had a, a big win. Um, they do seem to still slip more than you know other teams. You know they're inferred. It's hard to be too critical of them obviously and you know this is probably Rodgers' best season as a Premier League manager I think um, certainly in terms of you know the, the quality of the team he has uh, you know he had that brilliant year at Liverpool ran him close but I think this is just as big an achievement but I do think that <laughs> they are open to, uh, to to slipping up here and you know Villa it will mean a lot for them because they've had a slightly patchy you know, last few games they've won a couple, lost a couple. You know, uh, drew the most recent one. So it's going to be interesting. It's not a foregone conclusion either way. Um, they both seem like teams who, on their day, are a match for anyone. You know, as they essentially have both proven against Liverpool in their respective games. So um, it's I, for me, it's probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Yeah, it's the two midfields that I, I, I really just love. And actually, you, you could probably add um, John McGinn to that list of defensive mids, maybe even uh, Douglas Luiz as well. Um, I just love that Villa midfield. There's, there's a real balance, beautiful balance between McGinn, uh, um, Luiz and Barkley. And on the other side, you've got Tielemans, who I think we all love, uh, along with Ndidi. Yeah. I just think this is it's one of those games where... The old thing of our oh, midfields, midfields where the battle is won. This is absolutely right in, in this occasion. This is this is two of the best centre midfields in the league coming together. It should it should be brilliant. And I don't know if there's a rivalry really, really between Villa and Leicester because one's East Midlands, one is West. Who cares? But I definitely feel like the Midlands wants to have a club that is the club in the Premier League. Mm. And this season is, is, I mean, Leicester are ahead of them at the moment and have been for the last few years, but it feels like the gap is closing. The Midlands could become Claret and Blue Grits. Well, listen, the, the most interesting matchup, I think, out of those two teams is Madison v Grealish, you know. Uh, the, the balance of those two mm-hmm. match winners, very similar players, uh, you know, in, well, but in terms of their impact on the team and their importance yeah, yeah. to the team when they're scoring. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they, they have different skill sets, but... Um, you know they're both playing really both playing really well this season, so uh, it'll be a real uh, yeah, be a real interesting battle between those two. A humdinger, right? I think we should wrap it up there, gentlemen. Thank you very much, as ever, for being on the show. Anything you want to plug, Gareth? Um, stay at home, stay safe, save lives. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, the government's Gareth Dobson. Uh, Grits, <laughs> anything you want to say? Just Mr. Burns' brain tonic. Apparently, you can get it on Amazon. So uh, just invest okay. in that. You can grow four inches. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Mark, I, feel like, I feel like what you're doing is you're trying to tell people to take mad medicine so you can watch them from your little... <laughs> From your little bedroom window in the hospital opposite. It feels like little peeping Tom of the hospital. Uh, yeah. Okay. What's your schedule yeah, I mean, like this week, Mister Mister Smith? Yeah, what you are too smart, Jeff. Absolutely, fuck all. Uh, Football three six five show going out on uh, Thursday. I'll be that basically be a, it's a preview show. Is this? But you can see my face. <laughs> And it's a lot shorter. Not my face. My face is the same size. But the show itself is a lot shorter. Right, let's go. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, we'll be back same time. Well, no, not same time, same place. We'll be back on Monday, I would imagine, uh, with a review of all the stuff we've just talked about. Uh, so hopefully, see you then. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.